Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cave Talk. I'm your host, Todd. I'm just fucking with you. Escapingthecave.com, also on the ChristopherMedia.net network, and at ETC Pod on Twitter. My mom says it won't last. Your mom's an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Escaping the cave. And I'm getting really sick of guys named Todd. That's Todd, Todd Zilla. Zilla, bitch. Todd Zilla X-Pod. Howdy, Toddzilla Files, and welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave, the Toddzilla X-Pod, ChristopherMedia.net. That's the network. You can also hit up my website at uh, EscapingTheCave.com, and if you dare, <laughs> check out the uh, the Twitter feed. Not much there. Maybe you'll be one of the six people I follow if you have something to add. <laughs> Don't bet on it. It's at ETC Pod. I uh, hope you're having a good week so far. I got a lot to get to today. I don't have a lot of time to mess around. Uh, I want to get a few podcasts in before I'm rejoined, I think, by the guys from Unregimented. Chris and Rich, I think you're going to come back and hang out one more time. Maybe next week. Maybe not. We'll see. (sighs) A couple of corrections I want to make. Actually, just one. Regarding the uh, 50th anniversary of the Apollo mission. Did sort of a tribute to those guys last week on the podcast, and it was improvised. I didn't bother to research it, <laughs> didn't have a list of facts and figures in front of me, and I mistakenly said that Gus Grissom nearly died during a training mission uh, prior to the ill-fated Apollo 1 test. It wasn't a test. Uh, the hatch blew open on his capsule during an actual re-entry. I got confused with something else. I'm not sure what. Just something. But I want to correct that because uh, the guy deserves to have the fact put forward properly. One other thing as far as the uh, 50th anniversary goes, Neil Armstrong in the news this week. Now, he's been dead since 2012. He died, I think, at the age of 82 in August of 12. Uh, But this week it came out that he died due to hmm, malpractice of some sort, his family reached something like a $6 million settlement with the hospital in Cincinnati where he died, alleging that improper care led to his demise at the age of 82. I haven't heard much about this. There was a big non-disclosure. That was a huge part of the settlement. They couldn't talk about this anymore. And you can understand why. This is Neil friggin' Armstrong, for crying out loud. The very first man to ever set foot on another planetary heavenly body. And he died in your care probably when he shouldn't have. You'd want that covered up. They paid $6 million, apparently, to the Armstrong family uh, to cover that up. So, it's really too bad, because this last week, it was neat to see Michael Collins and uh, Buzz Aldrin all over the place. Buzz is having a good old time with this. (laughs) He's not shy about promoting himself and getting his face out there. Never has been. But it would have been really neat on the 50th anniversary to have all three of those astronauts around. And we may have had that not happened at that hospital back in 2012. 
I want to refrain from putting too much on this because people die from malpractice, hospital care that could have perhaps been better. People die all the time. It happens every single day. It's just really too bad that it had to happen to that guy. I don't want to put too much on this. I just wanted to mention that because it really was sad last week and over the weekend, especially on Saturday. The uh, 50th anniversary of One Small Step for Man, One Giant Leap for Mankind. It was really sad not to have Armstrong here for that. And perhaps we could have. From beginning to end, though, last week was really neat. I don't have time to go as far into this as I'd like to, but I mentioned on other podcasts, especially particularly Unregimented last year, that kind of thing, exploration, achievement, pushing mankind outward, That's where we are at our best. That's what we do. (laughs) If you're here in this country, it's a result of people pushing boundaries. You know, you can attach any kind of political or moral argument to it if you like to. That's fine. But that's what we do. And we need to do more of that. The footage that we saw last week of the entire globe watching what was happening on the lunar surface is as close to global unity as we have ever come. With the exception of maybe maybe D-Day, but no. Everybody was watching what was happening that day because we were all doing that. Yeah, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon, but we set foot on the moon. We felt good about ourselves as a species because of it. We accomplished the impossible. And I really think, firmly and passionately, that we need to do more of that. All right, moving on. Day after I put forth my zinification idea last week, if you're a regular loyal listener of the podcast, you heard what I was talking about last week. Well, once I put the Zenification notion out there, the National Review, (laughs) two or three days after we voiced it, literally the day after I posted it, came out with an article entitled, The War Over America's Past is Really About Its Future. (laughs) Saying exactly the same thing as I was. Hijacking narratives. Not about the past, it's about who controls the future. Who controls the past now controls the future. Hey, Zach. I don't know. I'm assuming that's what it was talking about. I didn't bother to read it. (laughs) I'm pretty well versed in this. I don't need the National Review to tell me what I think about that. Uh, And I presume that they wrote that article without mentioning Howard Zinn. I just... (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Maybe I'm tooting my own horn a little bit. It's my podcast. I'll toot if I want to. I'll toot if I want to. I'll toot if I want to. (laughs) I'm just saying, a byline, though. A little byline. They didn't even have to use my my real name. Maybe a little Toddzilla thing. (sighs) Would have been nice. Hey, jerks. All right. I don't want to do this. I've got a lot of other stuff that I want to do. Uh, But this ties in. 
Today, as I record this, is July 25th, 2019. Mr. Mueller's testimony uh, happened. That was what we've been waiting for, for what, three, four months? Was that? And this was supposed to be the thing, Democrats. That was going to trigger the big impeachment uprising. The clamoring for impeachment nationwide to get all the country behind you. It didn't quite work out that way, did it? To me, as I was sitting here watching this, not having my brain flooded by other people's ideas and notions telling me what I think, my thought, sitting on that couch in the other room yesterday, is that this guy came off like a confused old man who could barely remember his name, let alone what he had for breakfast. That's the impression that I got. Maybe it's unfair. I didn't watch 100% of it, but from what I saw, that was my initial takeaway. And no, (laughs) that did not start the fart chambers, or didn't stop the fart chambers, rather, uh, from concocting their fictions out of thin air, did it? Each faction getting their hot take out there, their spin, telling you what you should think, because that was the narrative prefabricated narrative. didn't matter what happened in that room yesterday. The post-testimony spin was going to be the same thing. We got him, as Matt put it. Oh, we got a headshot on him. He's going to be impeached now. Whereas on the other side, Mr. Trump's getting his face on Mount Rushmore. Fusion GPS. It's a complete shit show. Nobody there that I could tell. There was no one In that room, none of your representatives were after the truth. (laughs) Not one. These were people who were grandstanding and pandering for the cameras. How could you stand? I ask you this in all seriousness. Please email me. If you enjoyed the monologues that each of these representatives gave, Offering their (laughs) spin on everything. If I know your sect, I can predict your argument. You're going to be hearing that a lot today. And I could predict every argument coming from each and every one of those people based on the letter next to their fucking name. How can you tell me with this homogenous opinion? Matching the letter next to your name, how can you tell me that any of these people were interested in any sort of external truth? Nobody thinks that much alike. The odds are astronomical that everybody would be thinking the same way. And while they're on the same team, the team was deciding what they quote-unquote thought. If they were thinking. Now, they weren't thinking. This is about control. This is about power. This is about team. This is about getting in front of the cameras. It was basically a bilateral infomercial. A joint propaganda session. Where each side would take turns putting their propaganda forth. To a collected audience nationwide. That's what that was about yesterday. The best thing that I took out of it came from a Republican 
Oh, my God. Oh, the Republican. Yeah, I came from a Republican. He gave a nice little reminder about what innocent till proven guilty means. I like the line that we don't say in a court proceeding during a verdict, he's innocent. We say he's not guilty. The burden of proof is to prove guilt. We're not guilty until proven, you know, presume, proven innocent. See, then the exoneration thing would mean something. But somehow, certain people on a certain side of the political spectrum have got it in their heads that there is no burden of proof requirement here. Donald Trump doesn't need to be proven guilty. He's got to be proven innocent because we just know he's guilty. Prove he's not. I don't remember this guy's name. I don't know anything about him. But that was the one thing that I saw yesterday. I was like, oh. Yes. That's how we do it. You got to prove he's guilty. If you can't prove he's guilty, well, then you come back with a verdict of not guilty or you don't prosecute. And I'll tell you this. If I never see Adam Schiff or Devin Nunes' face ever again, it will be too soon. The gaggle of the rest of these Goebbels wannabes pandering, grandstanding for the cameras made me, just me, just, just me, I wanted to punch each and every one of them in the fucking face for insulting my intelligence on those television cameras yesterday. Look, I don't care what political brand you have chosen to wear. Are you Hollister? Are you Abercrombie? I do not care. But if you didn't react in, in, in a similar fashion to that yesterday, to that pandering and grandstanding across the board... I honestly have to question whether or not you have a shred of personal pride and or dignity left. And again, you know, once he got used to the strings, howdy doody. <laughs> he had it fucking easy, didn't he? Yeah, dance for me. It's a really good idea, I think, at this point to just basically, until they find something else to distract themselves with, block access to these boutique news outlets. The predetermined spin of choice was toxic immediately after that session ended yesterday. It was already there, man. This, this stuff was prefabricated. They already knew what angle they were going to take before Mueller even probably sat down yesterday morning. They knew how they were going to spin it. The only thing that was in question was which channel you decided to stumble and stagger toward at the end of it. Because that was the thing that would determine which of the parallel but mutually exclusive propaganda universes you were going to encounter throughout the day. It trumps either Mephistopheles or destined to have his own monument in D.C. after his term ends, right? How are you seeing? <laughs> You're watching different shows, man. You're watching different movies. So there's no common basis of fact, a reality of anything. Yeah, I was going to read the Mueller report. I have it in my uh, Amazon queue right now. I've been tended to read that thing 
I've been reading other stuff. Perhaps you've caught on to that. But I had it there. I'm not sure I'm going to read this report now. I already know how this this latest Derp Nation drama is going to end. It's going to end with a big congressional thud. Boom. Then a boomerang re-election next year. What do I mean by boomerang re-election? Now you, you guys already know. Because you're loyal listeners. But this uh, radicalization, this Green Tea Party puritanization of the left is going to backfire next year. All that's going to be left are the tortured whimpers of fart sniffers, bubbled fart sniffers around the country asking, but why? I don't understand why. You're going to sound like those tree huggers in the video. Why? Just like you did in 2016. You're going to have the home alone look on your face. That's how this is going to end. So why? Why bother with this report? I have other things that are more relevant and pertinent moving forward than reading the specifics of something that basically is meaningless going forward. Nothing's going to be done about this. Again, I have a stack right over there. You can't see it. I'm pointing, though. It's over to my left. A stack of material that is infinitely more relevant and a better use of my time as far as reading goes than that. We all know how this is going to end up. Except for you, Moonbeam. Antifa. You still think you... <laughs> we, uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> I guess, you know, thinking about it. I mean, there are reasons, I guess, to read this report. Uh, one might be to prepare, as my friend Matt told me that today. He suggested that maybe to prepare for the next Russian electoral assault, which is coming. It's probably already underway. Nobody's doing anything about it. Why wouldn't it be happening right now? Then again, you know, personally, I do not need the Honorable Robert Mueller. I don't need him to be able to play along to this. I saw this shit before he did. I was talking about this in 2014. <laughs> Go back to the podcast. It's there. It's in the list. Slithering fascism, tribal warfare. They're getting it from somewhere, obviously. Indeed, they were. I saw this shit before he did, man. You know, the Russia obstruction thing, it's no longer going to have any bearing on how I vote anyway. Shit that happened in 2016, to be perfectly frank, is far less important to me than things that are happening domestically right now. Things that will directly affect me personally. Yes. It's the heretical blasphemy of choosing to vote in my own personal self-interest. Oh my God, Becky. (sighs) Look at that asshole. That's exactly how I'm going to vote. I'm not going to vote based on 2016. I'm looking at you now. Especially you, Green teaists. Perhaps you've noticed. Perhaps you've noticed the tone. That's how I'm going to vote. It's going to depend on the trend of radicalization and who you decide. Who you decide to nominate next year, but also how you choose to get there. 
If you're going to continue to push yourselves off into the fringes, I'll choose the status quo, despite my hatred for that man. I have come a long ways to this point. I really have. I can't believe I'm saying that. Considering where I was eight years ago, this is astounding. And I haven't changed politically. You have. I can hear it now. Just shut the fuck up. Just just shut the fuck up. You're a Trump bot. No, I'm not. If you're going to go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you're not going to make it with me anyhow. I should have queued up the Beatles, man. You're moving off into, a, into an area, into a, a field of landmines that I am not going to be drug into. As far as the report goes, I, I, I would probably be more inclined to read this thing, to learn more about the interference specifics. If, if I thought anything was going to be done about it, what's the point here? To be able to read the blueprint? I can already read the blueprint. Beyond exploiting the report as sort of a propaganda companion reader, nothing's changing here. Plus, in all honesty, my mind is already better versed about and more insulated against future electoral fuckery than most people's. It's already there. And beyond that, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this report? Use that book to more effectively change flatulent pachyderm minds? Really? <laughs> I think I, I, I've already covered my thoughts on changing minds. Look, you can file all of this under uh, what I talked about in regards to the current events, man. I talked briefly about that. I'll talk more about that in coming episodes. The current events, man, always he's just ingesting and choking on every piece of information and news and data that he can get his hands on, and he understands next to nothing. No person can process all of that. And this is one thing, I think, one area where I can take the Tyler Durden approach and just let go of that which truly does not matter. This now, we're to the point, and I know you outrage machines, you triggered snowflakes out there. Oh, I gotta can't believe he's gonna say it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Practically, it does not matter now. Nothing is going to happen with it. I understand what happened. I understand the psychology. I understand a lot of the technology. What are you going to tell me? I know the engine's breaking down. I don't need to go stick my finger in the fucking piston. I don't. I don't need to feel the muck of the sugar in the gas tank. <laughs> I understand what's happening. I understand it better probably than you do. So why do I need to read this goddamn book when nothing is going to change anyway? Help me out here. I'm going to ask you one more question in the spirit of Neil Postman. I've talked about this uh, maybe a couple of months back. But he, he talks about asking the right questions. You know, forget the answers for a minute. You know, finding the right answer 
That's usually dependent upon asking the proper question. That'll bend your noodle if you let it. Are you asking the right questions about things? Well, here's one for you. Here's an idea. Here, maybe we're asking the wrong question here. What is really the scandal? What's really the problem here? Trump? Russian interference? Is that really the problem? Or is the problem a derp-tastically gullible society of unsophisticated informational consumers making Russia propaganda viable? It's the people. If we were more sophisticated informational consumers, there would be no fertile soil for this propaganda, these propaganda seeds to sprout. That's perhaps maybe where the foundation of the problem lies, in the mirror. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying here. Oh my God, don't ever imply that the consumers are willfully ignorant. Oh my God, no! Blasphemer, blasphemer. You're not going to succeed as an influencer. Keep talking like that, Todd. Consumer's always right after all. Don't you know that, boy? Look, at some some point, boutique and prefabricated advertising-driven opinion spun as fact. (laughs) Did you catch that? Boutique and prefabricated advertising-driven opinion being spun as fact. That will become terminal to a democracy. Lipman. The society that lacks the mechanism to tell truth from falsehood does not remain free. And if you prefer boutique news to truth, fact, and information, in information, you're not going to remain free. It's as simple as that. There's always going to be somebody trying to put you in a cage, put your mind in a box. I've got a stack of material telling you, telling me, and I'm going to tell you, how that happens. If you don't care that somebody is corrupting your mind, they're happy to do it, and they're not going to take you any place good. They're always looking to control and exploit people. And we have a collection of 300 and probably 10 million people who are just happy to let them do it because it makes them feel good. They got no idea it's happening to them. There is a solution. I said, I said in, the, in, in one of the podcasts last week that there's no sausage party hope in this Jacques book propaganda. I found I wouldn't call it hope. <laughs> I, I, I would call it a stab in the dark. And I'm already doing it. Awareness. Having people understand how they're being manipulated and exploited. Making them aware and making them understand that they are responsible for the maintenance of their own goddamn mind. That's the only way. It's the only way. Other than (laughs) moving into a cabin somewhere up in Montana or Wyoming and cutting all the internet and TV connections coming into your life. As the only way. And then you're, I, it's like the, the Jefferson thing. As the man who knows nothing is far closer to the truth than the man who believes falsehoods. You're better off being ignorant than misinformed. Ignorance is preferable. Preferable to being propagandized and misinformed. 
It's a fact. And here's something else. I mean, yeah, sure. We have an inept, blathering fool who's probably engaging in reactionary racism, or at least the dog whistling of it. Or maybe it's even counter-racism. However you want to characterize it, we got a, a Nimrod occupying the Oval Office. Fair enough. But what if there's no antidote to the Nimrod? What's the point of no return then? Right? If you don't have an alternative to the Nimrod, where does it just become fruitless? I'm willing to bet that it's somewhere around the point where the antidote, in quotes, air quotes here, becomes more insufferable than the pussy grabber who's accepted foreign interference and obstructed justice. You have become more insufferable, liberals, than him. How did you do that? That is astounding. Astounding that you are to a huge swath of people residing in the middle who are not uh, have sworn no allegiance to the Republican Party, especially to that man, you are more insufferable to people in the center, the exhausted, frustrated majority, than him. You have managed to do that. I, you know, if that's your goal, aim high, brother. I mean, that's like putting a man on the moon, almost. How difficult is that? Well, you found a way. I mean, that is an incredible accomplishment. Take a bow. <laughs> Woohoo! Way to go. I think that's the point where it becomes terminal to a democracy, where there is no alternative. And we long ago have passed that signpost. But now, enter the squad. How does this not make you cringe? The squad. Really? It sounds like a really shitty drama from the 1970s. This week on the squad. Boom, 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 boom. Seriously? How does this not make you cringe? How, how drunk do you have to be on your ideology to hear the squad and feel pride swelling within? How drunk do you have to be? These four women of color. Ooh, women of color. Mm. <sighs> women of color. Oh, I feel so inclusive. Women of color. Which, as Rich pointed out, which means... Basically, anybody who ain't white. So these women who ain't white. <laughs> and by the very nature of being not white, being a woman of color, are naturally now, just by nature of their skin color and or their batshit religious beliefs in uh, Omar's case, and Talib, right? She's Muslim, right? No, whatever. Doesn't matter. They're above reproach. They're above criticism. They're not to be subject to anything resembling criticism. They're like the quote-unquote traumatized children of Stoneman Douglas. Remember that? Oh, they can't be criticized. Why are you traumatizing children? Why are you victimizing traumatized kids? Oh, my God. They can't be criticized at all. Oh. Or how about these women who have been lobbying unprovable denunciations behind the Me Too banner. Oh, Al Franken back in the news this week 
says he wishes now he hadn't resigned. Huh. Nothing proven. Just a denunciation behind the big, impervious Teflon banner of me too. Can't criticize anything. Can't question anything. Oh, my God. Always believe the woman worked out really well for Emmett Till, didn't it? Yeah, I went there. I can go a lot further if you'd like. You know the woman in that case died recently? Did you read about that? I'll save that for later. So no one can be questioned. No one can be criticized or else you're a racist or you're attacking traumatized kids. You just want to shut down discussion. You want to, dis you want to just shut down everything but your doctrine. Your scripture is the only thing that shall be heard here. Reminds me of the Evergreen College thing. Well, a little thing on Weinstein this week. Eric Weinstein, not Harvey. I think his name's Eric. The professor who was attacked by a mob of students. You're headed down a road that I'm not following. I am not walking down that path. Yeah, all these people beyond criticism, especially the squad. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Can't criticize them at all, man. These four women are, to the left, and only to the left, <laughs> a protected species now. Just like the Stoneman Douglas kids. Protected. They have a little force field. They, the whole world is their safe space now because they're women of color. Jacques Ellul has touched on this. There's, there's a nice section in this book that I'm going to get to. And other people have talked about this as well. He calls it the realm of the sacred, where certain people, certain protected classes, protected species cannot be touched. They are to be protected at all costs. Ideas in academia. Certain things cannot be discussed. Oh, my God, hell no. We won't have any research or discussion about these things. Oh, these are sacred ideas, sacred planks in the liberal ideology. Oh, no. As far as these four women go, the squad, they've become sacred cows. Yes, I said it. Sacred cows who <laughs> won't be challenged, won't be criticized. You challenge or criticize the cows, oh my God. You're going to be tarred and feathered. Racist, you're a racist. Are you a misogynist? Oh, the sacred cows of Congress. Sacred realms in academia. Transvestites now. Or, I'm sorry, trans folks. All above discussion, all above reproach. The sacred cows. I know, I can feel you. Somebody out there is just trembling in self-righteous rage right now, wanting to drop some truth on me. Ain't you? I see you over there, fucko. How you doing? <laughs> Search your feelings, Moonbeam. You know it to be true. These are sacred cows. This fits right in with the religious personality that you've adopted. It's sort of seeped into your psyche. With your fanaticism and your puritanism. You have idols now against which any negativity is blasphemy. You're moving into Salem territory. 
going to start burning people at the stake metaphorically. You already started burning people at the stake metaphorically. You started this a long time ago. You just call it canceling. The same psychology. Matt also pointed out today, had a good conversation with him. Uh, he pointed out, as have I, that the liberal version of MAGA is coming. It's going to have the same messianic complex that Daenerys had in Game of Thrones. But what about what the other people think is good and just? They don't get to decide. That is totalitarianism 101, kids. When you are the sole arbiter, you or your group, your religion. Your in-group is the sole arbiter of good and just. That is totalitarianism. That's where you're going. In fact, I don't even think you can turn around at this point. You're lost. What are you going to do? Are you going to just stop? You're going to pull that needle out of your arm after you've become addicted to the self-righteousness of it all? The moral certitude of your group? Of course you're not. You can't. You can't. You're too far invested. How are you going to walk that back? What are you going to say to your friends? What are you going to say to your Twitter followers? Or your Facebook buddies in your group? I've been through this. Not fun to do that. Especially, especially if you have a lot of relationships that you've built over the last 10 years that are based on political similarities, shared beliefs. If you're part of the same mob, it's really hard to step out of the group and maintain those relationships. Oh my God, he's, like, he's left the church. We can't talk to him anymore. Oh my God. Yeah, it's the same messianic complex Daenerys had in Game of Thrones. And my answer to that was that uh, the dragon's egg is already hatched. The little beast is growing right before our eyes. Oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice? Reminded me of a couple of quotes. First one's a really familiar one from Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, however you want to say it. He who fights with monsters might take care lest he thereby becomes a monster. I know you think you're doing the right thing, and maybe you were doing the right thing at the outset. But you know what? <laughs> you have fangs now. You're growing fangs quickly. And you're going to be starting to, you're going to, you're going to be breathing fire, slaughtering people on the streets of King's Landing before you know it. Ah, oh, things to look forward to. Goals. The other quote's a little more complex. This one's uh, been around for a long time. I do not remember who said it, but this is great. Because I know you think you're doing the right thing. I know you, your heart probably really is in the right place. But you're too drunk. You've gone the route of Jonestown and Westboro Baptist now. You've gone the route of ISIS. Your fanaticism, your puritanism has turned you into a dangerous entity now. A dangerous entity rooted and founded in self-righteousness. In helping people, god damn it, at the tip of a sword if it needs to be done, I don't care. We're going to do the right thing no matter what. Here's a quote. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep 
his cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. No, thank you. The Catholic Church tried to save people too. Right? It was always a euphemism for bringing people under control. Thought control. Belief control. I'm sure some of those uh, conquistadors down there in Central America trying to save the Mayans. I'm sure their hearts were in the right place too. Examples abound of what happens with that sort of moral servitude. As far as the echo chambers go, the informational echo chambers, all of this. Evolution's coming. It has to. It may be messy. Bloody. (laughs) We may be lucky to survive it. It may be clean. Maybe we'll evolve. Maybe we'll have a moment of collective introspection in the coming years. And adapt and adjust. Move forward. In that brotherhood of man, or at least, you know, (laughs) not as retarded as we clearly are right now. Maybe. Either way, technology has triggered this, and the evolution is coming. Whether we're ready or not, it will not involve another set of thumbs. It will not be a physical evolution whatsoever. It's going to have to be, I'm telling you this, with... As much certainty as I can muster, it's going to be an evolution of self-awareness, self-understanding, knowing who we are, clearly being able to look at ourselves in the mirror naked and see the scars, see the fat rolls, the zits, the bald spot. Instead of imagining ourselves as a supermodel, a Greek god, who's unquestionably good down to his core. I've said this before. I'm not sure I've said it on here. But I came to the conclusion several years ago that uh, when I first started reading about mythology and starting to understand the use of uh, mythology, why people tell stories, why people wrap things in fiction and in narratives, because they don't understand things. And people who understand things more than others need to put it in simple, easy-to-understand terms for people who maybe aren't quite as, I don't want to say smart, but smart. Make things easier for people to understand. And I got to thinking about Revelations, the Bible. Yeah, that Revelations. And it sort of stemmed from this, uh, I've said before, I think on here, that I think the God-Devil parable in the Bible is the, the duality the duality split in humans, in mankind. That we're capable of so many things, good things. We have a good streak in us, a productive streak, a sympathetic streak, a kind streak. But there's also a part of us that is downright nasty. That can be manipulated, exploited, Hatred can be so easily triggered. We're seeing this now. This is part of the agitation propaganda that I was talking about last week. 
It targets the tendency toward hatred, the want that resides inside of us to hate the other, the Auslander, the interloper. Anyone we can be convinced is evil. That's the devil in the parable. And in Revelations, the story sort of, I guess, as I understand it, been a while since I've been to church, but the devil comes to rule the earth, the ego, perhaps, the dark side of the human duality. I'm seeing this, I look around right now, and I'm like, you know what? I think maybe at some point in time, this is putting on my tinfoil hat, <laughs> digging out the, uh, oh, what's that book? The uh, Fingerprints of the Gods. I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he, he says that there have been multiple civilizations that have risen and fallen over the course of human history multiple times. I wonder if these mythologies we have are being sent forth from the past to warn us that, yeah, you know what? This is secular. This happens repeatedly. That in the end, the black side of human duality gets loose. The domestication wears off. And we ravage each other. And get to the point after there's enough bloodshed and enough men have died, enough suffering has taken place. We've had enough. And the metaphorical paradise where the good part of us takes over because the bad has wreaked enough carnage to make us see it for what it is. See us for who we are and embrace the positive aspects of us, of ourselves. I don't dismiss these mythologies anymore. I think this is a, a lot of these things contain nuggets of collected human wisdom and from people who actually understood people better than we do. We're digitized, man. We're digitized. We're never present. We're never involved now in our communities the way we were, in our families the way we were. People got FaceTime with each other, real FaceTime, real interactions for hundreds and thousands of years. Got more interaction, real interaction with each other than we do now, than we have for the last 50, 80 years. I think they were better students of human beings than we are. I don't think there's any question about that. We can't even see ourselves in the mirror, man. We can't even scrape the crud off the reflective glass to be able to see a clear reflection of ourselves, let alone anyone else. And you take that and you expand that into the stereotypes that the propaganda campaigns have burrowed into our heads. We've happily allowed these stereotypes to fill our heads. How can we see each other accurately? All Trump supporters are Nazis. Oh my God, all liberals are like these Antifa guys. (laughs) Race. And the boomerang effect too. How many men have become more misogynistic in the last couple of years than they ever would have been because of the boomerang stereotype effect? I don't know. I think, though, that to dismiss these old traditions, these old mythologies, I think is a huge mistake. To dismiss them out of hand because, well, you hate religion. Or, I don't know, a priest touched you when you were six. Sorry, doesn't really discount the entire context of everything. Because you got diddled when you were six. Doesn't really work that way. 
I think it's a mistake. Joseph Campbell, if you're not familiar with him, he died, uh, what, 30 years ago. Um, the Power of Myth, that's out on video as well. He did a PBS special, I think, with Bill Moyers. It's really worth looking at because he explains better than I can how mythology is a repository for collected thousands of years of collected human wisdom. And again, I'm going to repeat this. To discount the wisdom and knowledge of people who are more in tune with each other and with the world than we are is a huge mistake. In my not-so-humble opinion. So yeah, there we go. And again, today. (laughs) I keep doing this. I get going, I get late in time, and I cannot seem to break into this stuff properly. What I may do, I may start releasing these. uh, This one's not all that difficult. Maybe I'll just start releasing these things a little bit at a time, day after day after day after day after day, sort of rapid fire, just to get them going. I'm afraid these are going to be three-hour podcasts, so even if I try to keep them to an hour, I don't know that I can keep these to an hour. So maybe you'll get a little bonus Zilla. <laughs> we'll see. ChristopherMedia.net, that's the network. Check out uh, Chris's site, also the other shows over there, Christopher Media. EscapingTheCave.com, that is my website. Please take a trip over. Check it out. ETC Pod over at Twitter as well. So, on that note, I guess that's that. Till next time, so long. <laughs>